Dairy farming today comes with a lot of givens. It's a given that you'll need to put in long hours and work hard, that you need to wear many different hats and be something of a jack-of-all-trades, and that you'll strive to produce high-quality milk. Achieving these kinds of successes means tight management, a willingness to change, and keeping cows happy and healthy. There are many different challenges that can get in your way, some of which are infectious disease challenges like salmonella, infectious mastitis, digital dermatitis, yonis, and leukosis. The list goes on. The best way to fight these diseases is through strong biosecurity measures to help you prevent and control existing diseases from spreading and new ones from entering. It's really all about having a plan. Welcome to another episode in the Dairy Farmer of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name's Stephen Roach. I'm an epidemiologist with a passion for dairy cattle health and welfare. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. Our next discussion takes place with Parker Weiss, a dairy producer located near Medicine Hat, Alberta. I sat down with Parker to discuss his experiences with disease outbreaks and how his family and staff implement biosecurity on their farm. So, let's jump in. Well, Parker, it's a pleasure to uh, have the chance to chat with you today. Thanks very much for taking the time to uh, be on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So, um, Parker, I understand you're you're a little bit west of us today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your operation, where you're at, what kind of uh, size of dairy farm you have going? Yeah, so my name is Parker Wise. Uh, we have Hatview Dairy Farm. Uh, it's located south of Medicine Hat, Alberta. Uh, I farm along my uh, alongside my father Keith. Uh, my brother Quentin, and uh, yeah, my grandparents uh, started shipping cream into town in like 1956, and they were milking 14 cows by hand, of course. And now we milk about 200 cows on a 28 stall uh, rotary parlor. Yeah, we also have a beef side. Uh, we sell purebred Black Angus bulls. Uh, shout out to Wise Ranch Bulls on Instagram if you want to check us out. Uh, most of our land is irrigated. Uh, we grow all of our own forages and sell some cash crops as well. Great. And and um, you specifically, you've been to school and just recently come back. Is that right? Yeah. So I've been back on the farm for about four years now. Um, and yeah, I went to school at the U of S. I took agriculture business and a minor in animal science. So I've always had a passion for agriculture and get to experience that on the farm every day, which is really awesome. Great. And it sounds like in the time, you know, since since the operation started, it's grown to a nice healthy level and you've got a lot going on. So a lot certainly to keep you busy as you step into uh, maybe a more full-time major role there. Yeah, it's been it's been great, actually. Uh, my dad's definitely uh, let us kind of take the reins and get into trouble and stuff <laughs> that we probably shouldn't. And let us do uh, some new stuff. So it's been it's been actually really fun. And it's nice working with family uh, every day. Uh, you have somebody to rely on for sure. Nice. 
So, you know, one of the main things that that um, we're hoping to chat about today is sort of your perspective on on biosecurity. You know, not the sexiest topic, not a topic that uh, that usually a lot of people, um, you know, chat about at the water cooler, but but obviously an important one. And and from the perspective of Canadian dairy, um, you know, ProActions uh, has come into place, and biosecurity has been a pretty important pillar of that program. So just broadly, you know, when I when we talk about biosecurity, um, Parker, what's your mindset about importance of biosecurity? What does it really mean to you as a dairy farmer? Um, on our farm, we, we think of biosecurity kind of as like the seatbelt for our farm. It's kind of like, it is kind of a pain uh, to do sometimes, but if an accident does happen, you're, you're happy that you have that safety belt on. It's just uh, that extra protection from, you know, not saying that your neighbor's bad or whoever, but it lets, uh, lets you control what's happening on your farm for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a nice analogy, actually, the seatbelt. Uh, I like that. And, you know, one of the things I often talk about when, you know, chatting with producers or really anyone in the industry for that matter is the various reasons, you know, people come up, um, you know, for why biosecurity is important for our industry, for individual producers, for animals. What are some of the reasons from your own words that producers should really care about, uh, about biosecurity? Um, well, I guess uh, obviously from a you know business standpoint, uh, you know some bugs that are floating around can be pretty devastating uh, on a farm for you know production and cost of treatments and stuff like that. So it's better to have a preventive measure in place uh, beforehand, so you not only find out like what is going on, but where it's coming from. And I mean, all dairy farmers in Canada care about our animals, so if we don't like them getting sick. So if we can stop an animal from getting sick. Uh, from a new you know, bug entering the barn, we'll do whatever it takes to prevent that from happening. So it's super important. And I think every uh, dairy farmer does take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it, I always liken it to, it's like kind of peeling the layers of an onion, right? There's so many different reasons, not just for biosecurity, but for most of the things we talk about, um, you know, that we're concerned about on the farm. Animal care is another one. You know, there's value to the individual animals, to the herd, to the economics of the the operation. And then to, like you said, you know, your neighbors, it's the, a bit of the personal reputation, but also keeping other farms, uh, you know, safe or healthy. And, and then beyond that, protecting our borders and, and ultimately that Canadian brand. Um, so I think, you know, if you think about it, it there's actually quite a quite a lot at stake potentially for for some of this stuff. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's super important, and you have to be careful with uh, you know what you're bringing on your farm and what you're bringing to your neighbor as well. Mm-hmm. So, in in the context of your operation, what does biosecurity look like in practice? What are some of the main things, or some of the key things, anyway, that that you guys are doing in order to keep bugs out uh, and manage the ones you've got in? Well, when the proaction came in for biosecurity, we tried to keep it pretty simple. Uh, we thought if it's simple and kind of in your face, it would be followed. So when we were first going through the process, uh, we started a couple different things with the, like having signs posted and stuff like that. And then sure enough, a neighbor would like walk into the parlor just to have a visit and, you know, miss- missing everything that we had posted. So we actually uh, ended up buying uh, like crowd dividers, like, what you'd see at a movie theater uh, to kind of force traffic wherever you wanted to go. And, uh, and since then it's been great, but really keeping it simple and kind of controlled is probably uh, the main elements of our uh, biosecurity on our farm. Mm-hmm. 
did you find you had to do a lot, uh, a lot different or a lot more when pro action came in? Yes and no. We definitely, uh, we like to have people come to our farm. Like we welcome it a lot. So I think, um, in the regards to like the booties over the shoes and stuff like that, we didn't really, uh, enforce it that much. Um, our farm is a closed herd, so we grow internally. We don't buy any animals in. So, and we also don't show any animals. So we don't have a lot of animals, uh, coming onto our farm. So controlling that didn't really change a whole lot. It was more just the visitors that we had. We at least have probably, you know, three or four, uh, school visits, uh, in the fall and in the spring. So it's nice to have people come onto our farm, but we didn't really think about what they could be bringing onto our farm, I guess, as much until uh, the pro action really came in. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's interesting. I know, uh, I mean, it's good to hear you talk about the closed and, you know, how that helps to mitigate a lot of risks. Certainly, um, you know, that can be a, the old, the old saying, um, you know, diseases are bought and paid for, you know, a lot of, a lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, animals you bring in from a show that, you know, pick something up there or, or you buy in animals, you never quite know what you're getting. Um, but there's, you know, a couple of interesting things you pointed out too. just, just some of the subtle changes that need to be made. I know around the idea of signs and, and getting people, you know, not going where you don't want them to go. One of the things I always hear producers talk about is how challenging it is to get, um, you know, the various equipment dealers, sales folks that are coming on the farm. Has the the crowd gates worked for them or did you have to have, you know, more specific conversations with them about getting everyone on the same page there? Yeah, we definitely had to sit down with with quite a few of them and just say this is kind of the areas uh, we want you to go. And, uh, this is what we need you to wear. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of, this is the the way, or it's this way or, or the highway kind of thing. So we made it super easy for them. Like I said, we have those crowd dividers that come in and uh, we actually have this thing called a booty butler. So it's one swipe of your foot and a disposable booty wraps around your shoe. You don't have to bend down to, you know, put it on or anything like that. So just things like that made it really easy. And then they were more welcoming to the idea of having to wear it around. Um, and then we just, like like I said earlier, just limited limited them to areas that they could go. So to the office or to the semen tank and stuff like that. And we, we tried to stop them from going into where the animals are housed basically on our farm. And it's been, they've been really good at it. So, so it's been good. Good. Yeah. I like that. I mean, on top of keeping it uh, simple, I, I could use that booty butler on a lot of the farms I <laughs> yeah. go to. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good. It, but you know, it's, I mean, it's good to hear what you've said there about dealing with, you know, kind of setting expectations and using the word expectation. I've had a lot of producers ask me, you know, how do I maintain or ensure that everyone's doing this following what I want on the farm? And, and my response was, well, it's your farm. I mean, if they want your business, then, then they need to follow or abide by your rules. And, and so that, you know, it, it sounds like you've taken that approach. You don't have to be, you know, super stern about it, but you can say, this is the expectation on our farm that, that, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, and a lot of these folks are going to other farms, right? So maybe they have more of a risk than, than, you know, the, the, the kids coming from school or, or whatnot. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, they've been really good with the whole situation because they understand the importance of it. So it's been a pretty good response, but yeah, you, you really have to sit down and talk to everybody to make sure 
they understand the, the situation. So um, I know we could probably talk all day about specific disease challenges or things, but generally, are there any specific diseases that you're sort of, you know, have made a specific plan to try and prevent from bringing in or on the flip side, anything you're actively trying to, to work on to sort of reduce the prevalence you've got on farm? Yeah, so like I said earlier, we, uh, we have a closed herd, so we don't really allow any animals onto our farm. Because of this, we're pretty fortunate on a lot of cases, definitely. But uh, we uh, we don't have any uh, digital dermatitis. And for those of listeners that don't know what DD is, it's uh, basically a contagious uh, erosive infection that affects the skin around the heel of the cow, uh, making the cows lame. So we currently don't have any of that in our barn. Uh, a lot of it is probably due to our like strict foot bath protocol, but... Well, a lot of it, I believe, is part of not allowing animals coming in uh, from neighboring farms or wherever. And I think it's made a huge difference for sure. And then uh, for ones that we're actively controlling, just like many farms, there's a, we have a vaccination program. Uh, so every animal on our farm has a, a program that they follow. And just to, pre- to prevent like common uh, like BRD and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's just... You have to have those things in place because there are bugs everywhere and, you know, you have to have the vaccinations to control them, I guess. And it's been really, really good so far. Yeah, that's great. And I know just before we started recording, you had commented on that, you know, for a, at one point in time anyway, um, you weren't closed or you, you, I think you said you had purchased maybe a farm and some of the cows. And so... Um, do you want to tell us about that? Was that an experience that sort of led you down the path of wanting to be a closed herd longer term? Yeah, exactly. We uh, we had a, I guess, a pretty bad experience uh, with an infectious disease called staph, uh, which is a type of mastitis. Um, it was quite a few years ago. Uh, we purchased a neighboring dairy, and we were expanding at the time, so we bought the cattle as well. And we went uh, through DHI. We tested all the cows multiple times. You know, those cows last, and called the animals that tested positive and. We thought we were safe, but then we eventually mixed our herd and that new herd together. And a month goes by and DHI comes again. And sure enough, one of our cows tested positive for staph. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but staph can give you uh, false negatives. So with the animals in shedding, it can give you a negative on the test and it still does have it. So it, it's a pretty challenging disease to, uh, to treat and uh, contain but uh looking uh, hindsight's obviously 2020 but we wish we would have been a little bit safer i mean we did our best at that at the time of what we knew but obviously testing is a little bit better now um but uh you know through consistent testing and some technology in the parlor like a backflush system stuff we've we've been able to eradicate it from our barn but it definitely uh was a big cost and you know the there's nothing worse than having some animals getting sick in your in your herd, right? You don't like to see that. So it was a pretty stressful situation. So it, it just goes to show how important biosecurity is on a farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of lessons learned, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious. I know one of the areas that, that a lot of open herds, um, you know, have a challenge with, and I get it completely, is when we talk about bringing animals back from a show or wherever they might have been or bringing new animals in, we always talk about isolation or quarantining for a period. It sounds like you, you know, you know, you had the luxury of having these, your herd and, and the new herd you bought separated. 
um, you waited a period of time and still had some issues. So it clearly highlights, you know, the potential for, for issues to be brought in. Um, any thoughts on strategies to help maintain that? I know it's a challenge to quarantine animals, uh, especially lactating ones, but any thoughts from a, from a producer standpoint there? Um, definitely having separate pens and, uh, really focusing on where those animals are going. Um, like going back to what I was saying before with our situation, could a, could a gate been left open and those positive cows got into our, you know what I mean? Like you really have to be diligent on what you're doing. And if you can separate those animals and separate those work areas, as much as you can, depending on your farm, obviously, uh, I think you're going to be happy with the results because it can make a huge, huge difference uh, going down the road on what uh, effects it will have with your farm. So other than that, um, get your vet involved. Uh, Really, uh, you know, how get somebody that knows, I guess, what they're talking about uh, to give you a hand on what you should do and not do. I think, uh, there's tons of resources out there, so use them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's and like you say, even the tests, you know, aren't always perfect. So sometimes you need to rely on an advisor or someone who can at least walk you through issues uh, that that come up when you don't anticipate them. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, you've had some experiences with infectious diseases. You've you've learned some things. You're closed now. Things sound. To, it sounds like things are going really well. When some of the, um, you know, expectations or requirements in ProAction came out. Two of the ones that, that we haven't touched on maybe a little bit, one is they wanted veterinarians to get out and do a risk assessment on the farm to try and get a sense uh, of that. Is that something that you've gone through? Yeah, I was. And I was actually fortunate enough to attend, uh, Alberta Milk put a workshop on uh, to help us. We did a mock risk assessment with uh, one of the local dairies in their vet. Uh, and this made it really easy to ask questions on you know, what was going on and kind of what they were asking for uh, in that risk assessment. Uh, it was funny. One of the things that came up because it was a group of us uh, that those one size fit all uh, coveralls don't actually fit all. Like some of those <laughs> quite quite tall uh, dust guys had a hard, pretty uncomfortable day, I think. But uh, it was awesome because. We got to ask the questions uh, as a group, and then we got to bring it back to our vet when we did it on our own farm. And if they had questions on, like, what is this asking and stuff like that, it, it made it really easy for everybody. That's Yeah, that's good. That's a, It was a really nice way to learn. And, and like you say, it's. I mean, I'm always amazed doing those risk assessments, just the opportunity for conversation, right? You can go down so many rabbit holes about a lot of different areas, um, you know, because they are pretty comprehensive was there anything on there that surprised you or, or something that prompted a lot of conversation for you? I guess in a sense, like we, uh, some of our calves get picked up and uh, my vet pointed out to us that, uh, you know, those, those people that are picking up those calves are going to many different barns and, uh, you know, they're going in and out, in and out. And are they putting the proper material on that, like the, uh, I guess biosecure uh, clothing on before they come into your barn because they come out late and you know you don't really know for sure. So one of the things he suggested was having a designated area that only they go into uh, to pick up those calves, uh, just to stop stop any uh, cross contamination between the barns. Uh, which we had a long conversation about that for sure. And just uh, uh, this is when it was we did this right away when it was first coming out. Is 
we talked a long time of how to get people to actually uh, wear all this stuff, but <laughs> that was uh, it was pretty straightforward after that. Yeah, nice. Um, the other area that that is, you know, being promo- has been long been promoted, and and as technology comes becomes more of a factor for more farms, it becomes a little bit easier. But record keeping is one of those big ones, right? Treatment records, uh, well, records for everything, it seems these days, but, you know, in particular is tracking or getting a sense of diseases. Um, What does that look like for you, Parker? Yeah, so we uh, obviously use a computer for everything. Um, I remember at our old dairy, we had the big breeding wheel. I don't know if that had like all the cows on those tacks and stuff like that. And the big stacks of paper in the the office. Now we don't have any of that. We just use a use a computer, and that's it. And most of it's on my phone as well. Um, so yeah, everything is recorded. Uh, something as simple as a foot trim to a vaccination uh, it shows right up on that cow's cow card. Um, and then when the vet comes out for prey checks, he reviews all the treatment logs that we have, and if there's an influx of treatments or clinical cases. Uh, he, he'll set up a program for us on what we should do and how we should tackle that. So it's been really, really awesome because it's easy for the vet. It's easy for us. Um, we also have activity callers. So, uh, with rumination in them. So if a cow, you know, isn't as active or stops chewing her cud, et cetera, uh, it alarms to us. So we know if that cow is getting sick right away, which is a huge help as well. No kidding. Yeah. So you've got a lot of data to, to start seeing you know, potential trends or blips and things like that. Has that, cha- you know, has that changed your perspective on, on how you manage in any way, or has it just become sort of part and parcel of, of the day to day? Yes, I know it definitely is a, a tool. Like you can grab all the data in the world and don't do anything with it. And it doesn't help you obviously. So I, like I said earlier, if you keep things simple, you'll, you'll be happy in the end. So uh, we use the things that we use. Maybe other farms use a couple extra or a little bit less. Um, but yeah, what what we do right now is been working for us, so it, it's been nice uh, and helps with the managing of the cows and their health. Great. So, uh, last, you know, sort of big picture question for you. Um, you know, for producers that are listening, um, you know, thinking about biosecurity, getting getting sort of uh, in compliance with ProAction, and, and maybe just thinking about in general prevention uh, and control of diseases on their farm or keeping other ones out. Um, what kind of advice or what one piece of advice might you give to, to them listening? I would say just make your uh, biosecurity plan simple and to the point. Um, it, it'll make it effective. Like don't, don't be afraid to ask uh, your vet or feed salesman or whoever for help uh, in making your biosecurity plan. But having a plan uh, is, is better than nothing for sure. And like I said, if you, have a biosecurity plan it's basically a safety belt for your farm so you'll be thanking yourself if anything does happen yeah well having a plan is is certainly key it's like it's the old saying uh, a goal without a plan is just a wish so uh, yeah hoping for a dairy without any disease is uh it's not going to come true if if you don't really have those practices in place and a plan um that not just you and and dad knows about but you know everybody including all those folks that are coming on your farm on a on a sometimes daily basis right yeah exactly well parker thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us today uh you know really appreciate some of the insights that you can bring to this conversation lessons learned and and generally some of the advice and recommendations that you've been able to put into place on your farm that's led to a lot of success so thanks again really appreciate it hey thanks for having me it was, it was a great time 
Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 